We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What episode 511 of the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast. I'm Nate Hilton. And yeah, I know everybody's excited to see me again, but it's the guy on the other side of the line I know people are very excited to hear from again. It's Jaleel, a.k.a. The Purist. And I'm looking at this outline I have here, Jaleel, that I usually make. And I'm pretty excited about what we're going to get into because usually I stuff it and then I try to jam some stuff at the end. But with the ideas that you've put out recently, I'm pretty excited just to kind of let this one breathe and and see where the winds take us. There's Sevilla tomorrow. So my hope is that this is going to be a conversation that is a little more overreaching, that's more about what happens so far this season, what is to come in the next month or two this season. But first and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me as always. Very excited to talk more generally, like you said, <laughs> just to have a chat really and, and you know discuss some of the overarching themes that are kind of going to be a constant throughout the season maybe. So yeah, looking forward to it. Well, I do feel like with some of the things that you've dove into recently on your YouTube channel uh, in terms of the way that the Brazilian national team is playing and prior to that it was Fluminense and just the different ideas in world football right now. And I feel like this is going to be an easier show for you. Kind of just, a, hey, we're just talking about Barcelona. We're just talking about what Xavi's trying to do here. And I think where we want to begin is a pushback to an idea that, and you and I were talking beforehand, and it might be a vocal minority, and it always is, it's true. It's a vocal minority to, to say, hashtag Xavi out. Now, I think that that hashtag Kuman out, that was a little bit lo- uh, louder, and it got louder and louder <laughs> the closer yeah. it went to, to, to him being out. And the same thing with Ernesto Valverde, where it was a, we'll say, loud minority, basically until Liverpool. And then I think everybody kind of agreed he had to go that summer, but yet the club keeps him on. He gets released in January. But at this point, Xavi just renewed until 2020, the summer of 2025, I believe. Yeah, it's 2025. So I think in the case of Xavi, there is still, for most sensible fans, quite the leash left to go. So let's let's just go through these different games here, Jaleel, because I feel like people say five at the back, and that's getting a bit productive because in, in truth, I think each different scenario or each different team brought a different thing and each game had its own flavor as to what Barca did right and did wrong and just just to run through this real quick for me Hadafe, I had said the number one reason Barcelona were losing points in that game was that they were losing their heads 
And I think if they keep their heads, I think they, they just the talent disparity, they win that game. But they allowed the fouling and the breakdowns of, of Hadafe in any flow and rhythm they might have had in the first game of the season. And they allowed Hadafe to kind of take advantage of that. And they played their game. And I thought that was actually the only problem that they could have easily moved on from. Against Cadiz, if you remember with Rafinha suspended, that was the lots of midfielders game where De Young played center back. And Barcelona with all those midfielders and it was possession, it was possession, it was trying to figure out and break through with those midfielders where you're not getting as many forward runs or runs in behind. But two goals came late when the players did start moving and attacking the space. So that got the job done against Cadiz. Osasuna, remember it was a B team for Osasuna, but they still, they, they fought hard. They worked hard, that being Osasuna. And that was a weird game because I thought Barcelona were reaching the last third pretty comfortably. But there was, again, a lack of movement up front and a lack of forward runs from Gabi and Gundogan at that, in that game. And even Lewandowski not really moving too much or creating space for one another. And I also still kind of chalked that one, that game up to Gundogan in particular. Didn't look, look comfortable with his teammates yet. And so the service to Lewandowski was kind of starved. But they figured some things out, that being Barcelona. And even though they played the game that Osasuna wanted, they still managed to get points from that because they just played at a pressure confidently and they were able to exploit those spaces eventually against Osasuna. Celta, we just talked about. That was last week. Poor performances is, again, what I chalked that up to. And then the space in behind Cancelo would be what I would say is the big quote-unquote problem for Xavi to solve from that game. And then against Mallorca, same thing. It's a five at the back, sure. But this is the most route one, as I kept hearing, route one football from Mallorca. And mm-hmm. when Barcelona, that being Orvermeu in particular, lost some aerial duels in the middle of the park to Mariki, whose whose job is to win those those first balls. And and then when Mallorca picked up those second balls and won those, then again it was route one football. And Barcelona didn't help themselves because you had some two major mistakes by Marc Andre Ter Stegen and the combination of Araujo and Inigo Martinez not only not being fit defensively, but also not really breaking through that Mallorca press where I know we think of fitness as just physicality and, you know, battling and elbows and shoulders. But I think they also weren't fit in terms of what they were comfortable to do with the ball. And Igor Martinez is much better at those at those switches, those those long horizontal balls. He's much better at that. They didn't seem clean or crisp. And Araujo is more confident than he showed in playing the ball to the to the free man in the middle. And the, the, third, the third man run was not happening because Araujo was not opening things up with that pinpoint pass in the middle that we've seen that he's improved upon. But having had that layoff, he, it just seemed like he lost a little bit of confidence and wasn't ready to get back to that and hit the ground running. So to me, Jaleel, I feel like I go through the different times when we've argued that Barcelona have struggled this season. And, we're, uh, and while, yes, they're still a, very much a work in progress, I feel like each of those games, you kind of you cherry pick something where, okay, so that was the real issue here. And I don't know. It, it seems to me that Xavi has a good idea and a good structure. But in terms of trying to attack what he has to improve and work on, I, I feel like it just seems to be minor things. Like this team, it, its ceiling is much higher than I think people are starting to give it credit for. Even it gets a five at the back. Like they are creating a lot of chances. Yeah, and I, I think there was some stats going around about Barca being the team that has created the most chances um, in the league, but also wasted the most big chances in the league. And that being against a lot of, you know, defensive, um, you know, low blocks and five at the back systems. So, you know, whether that's down to pure quality, you could argue, or whether it's down to structural things, it's not a nightmare by any by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I would agree broadly that, you know, there are, it is a work in progress. There are definitely... As I tried to point out in a couple of my videos, there were structural issues that I um, believed 
were there definitely at the start of the season, certainly against uh, Hatafe, that were then improved on, certainly improved on with the signings as well as just general, you know, structural improvements. And more, more sort of uh, in more detail and more depth, um, it is a case of just little things going wrong in every game, I feel. Certainly against Mallorca, there were some really poor individual performances. And, you know, that always sounds like oversimplification of, you know, analysis. But if your players are missing passes, then, you know, what can you do? You can't sustain attacks. You can't build up. Um, Inigo Martinez, not only was he inaccurate with his with his um, switches of play, but his timing of them was really poor. It, it seemed like he was rushing to do it every time rather than waiting for the right time. That space against a sort of 5-3-2 is so important as well, that left centre-back position. We saw against Celta, Balde actually played there for a little bit as a left centre-back because that's where the space was um, and he could drive into that and use that. And because Inigo wasn't using that space effectively, you know, a lot of Barca's play in the final third broke down. And I think that's something that people really, you know, have to have to remember about this system is that because it is structured so rigidly and it is intent, it has such clear intentions of where and how it needs to um, exploit space. That every single piece is really important. And if the defenders don't do the the job in building up properly, correctly, accurately, um, then you know it, it, you don't give your your attacking players a chance to actually uh, get on the ball in favourable situations. So yeah, I, I'd agree broadly that that it is different. You know. Um, issues in every game and and hopefully we're kind of I suppose the one thing is that we're kind of hoping that at some point it all comes together and we haven't really seen that yet uh, obviously there was the two final victories where it looked like that was the case um, two pretty poor opponents to be fair in both of those games but I think we're still waiting for all of the pieces to fall in place together uh, and and to really find these complete performances where it looks like oh okay we we can see the the improvement more globally i would say so yeah still still hoping to see that i guess well i think it was interesting to today shavi was talking in his press conference uh and he's obviously going to get a lot of questions about the medium all and i think obviously when you're talking about a future star in the game everybody's really excited about him and his comments i mean he had a lot of good you know comments about what we'd expect him to say in terms of the game time management saying there are good examples, right course management with Leo. He had injuries at the beginning. We have to be cautious with the medium all. It will help us in the end with him that he's 16 years old. And sometimes it shows that you don't play with the ball alone and uh, different things about how the medium all is, is learning. But I found it interesting too, that Xavi said that they weren't finding him enough, especially against Mallorca, like that they were not that that switch of the field from the left to the right wasn't coming all the way through over to that right side to the medium all. And he, you saw him, he was open a, a, quite a few times where he's like putting his arms up and it's the exuberance of a 16 year old, sometimes not understanding when he's supposed to receive the ball or not, but that's how, again, how you show your teammates you're available or you're more open than, than they might see that you might be on a switch like that. But the fact that Xavi said, yeah, I know he's 16 and we're going to limit his playing time. Yes. But when he's on the field, he is still trusted to, to do this thing. And we actually want his teammates to find him and trust him even more for that switch. Because again, that is our system. And I, I do find it interesting that in the post Dembele era, you see the, the significance and the importance still. And we can talk a little bit now specifically about that right wing here with Rafinha and Ferran Torres and the medium all doing three very different things. It's just, it's so interesting because they're three such different profiles and yeah. Xavi 
it's it's great that I think I do believe honestly that he is getting away from that very dogmatic because Dembélé was his guy. So he said, okay, right wingers, that's your just do your best Dembélé impression. But with Rafinha, the way he's being used, you know, as that high inside interior to end games, you know, when Xavi and I think this was kind of set up what in the second game of the season against Cadiz, where or or rather Osasuna rather, where for a, a number of games it was when Barcelona was going with that four midfield before Jao Felix showed up, it was the four midfielders and they would start the game with two attackers and then the game with four attackers. And that happened like three straight games before Jao Felix Cancelo mm-hmm. showed up. Uh, and in the case of Rafinha, yeah, like ending him as that high right interior is interesting to to add a different wrinkle and to change what he brings and provides to you. And because it's, it's just a weird thing in this system, it continues with Rafinha where his goal contributions are there, but the, the peak of what Rafinha can be, you don't necessarily see the best of him on that right wing being asked to hug the touchline. But then Ferran Torres in that same way, you don't see the best of him because asking him to hug that touchline doesn't really work because he does better in close association, closer to Lewandowski or closer to, to Gundogan and having him be that right winger to add with doesn't work out. And it's counterintuitive when you have Cancelo, who, again, I'm going to avoid talking about him individually, but when you have him stepping inside, now, you know, you do still need Ferran Torres to go out wide and provide that wink with, and then Luminium all of the three is the guy. He's still the guy that fits the system the best, even though he's 16, because he does add, naturally, he adds that width. Naturally, he wants to go 1v1, and he can, at a high rate with those dribbles, get by opponents and kind of do the job that Xavi wants from that right winger. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think that, I mean, ultimately, you know, if you're looking at a winger in the system, they are generally the person that you want to just be doing the damage. So, you know, we talked countless times about opening up space for those players. And yeah, you just want them to be able to exploit it. And and often that means having a guy that can make a difference in a 1v1 situation. It's so game-breaking, you know, whether that comes from out wide or whether that comes from the middle, you know, you need dribblers in your team. And like you said, um, Lamini Mal is one of the, the well, I guess in, in the Barca squad, he is the best at it. So um, it makes complete sense for him to be sort of relied on as much as he is. And for Rafinha, it makes complete sense also for Rafinha to be given a more central role. Because, again, we've talked about for so long, you know, his ability to... Actually, what surprised me is that, you know, not only is he delivering, you know, crosses to the back post from that sort of right half space, his, his combination game has actually been quite good. He, he sometimes looks quite clumsy technically. Uh, that's a bit weird to say for like a Brazilian w- winger. 
but sometimes his you know his his dribbling and the way he carries the ball and even sometimes his you know his first touches second touches they look they they do sometimes look a little bit clumsy but put in that kind of more central area with players around him he looks pretty comfortable playing first time you know around the corners or you know little back heels into players and and just being able to combine that it, it's quite interesting because <laughs> He's actually had that same transformation for Brazil recently because he's gone from playing under a very positional manager in Tite who just wanted him to stay on the right touchline to somebody in Janice, um, the new Brazil manager who is wanting him to associate more by, by coming inside. And so it's very interesting that he's sort of being given a similar job now with Barca. And for me, he looks a much more dangerous player when he's given uh, a little bit more freedom to associate because he can... I don't. He he's got he's got a natural creative flair to him, Rafinha. He 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 does damage. He really does put in the right situations. And yeah, it's been very interesting to see the combination of him in the right half space and then Yamal outside of him. Um, I did actually see a, a funny sort of tongue in cheek uh, tweet about Rafinha not giving the ball to Yamal on the touchline because he was worried that he was going to beat his man every time and then keep him out of the team forevermore. But you know. In principle, like when you're facing very deep blocks, it's kind of uh, it, it does make sense to have those two profiles next to each other. And I also kind of tangent. I also liked Gundogan as a pivot in that setup a lot as well because he just used the ball more efficiently than Romeo was doing. But yeah, that's a whole other tangent. So purely in terms of right wingers, yeah, I think you know you've profiled them pretty correctly. Ferran, I feel, is the weakest in most aspects. He he's probably the weakest. 1v1 although he between him and Rafinha is close and obviously he wants to drift inside more to to make the runs in behind and there's not too much deep creativity coming from left to right currently Gavi obviously uh, did that pass against Celta which was so important because it's exactly what you miss when you don't have De Jong and Pedri on the left going you know diagonal balls from left to right so without that consistently it's hard to have a, a right forward who is, you know, exploiting run or exploiting space in behind via runs because you just don't have the creativity to find him. That has always come from Pedri, De Jong, or even Busquets last season. And when you don't have those guys, you know, Ferran's profile in that right half space just becomes much less valuable. So, yeah. Well, yeah, what a perfect transition here because you knew what we were talking about next, and that is that midfield without <laughs> De Jong and still without Pedri for another month as well, and now De Jong for at least a month and a half here because the options we're already seeing what they are right it's going to be gobby in a deeper a deeper position it's going to be going to one potentially as a pivot but again not really as we'll say a, an eight kind of not either he'll either be at almost a 10 pushing forward in front of order vermeu and gobby or if necessary again he'll become just like gobby did two games ago against celta he'll become the pivot he'll become the deepest midfielder because the rest of the players on the field are just attackers getting forward and getting forward Rafinha yeah. at that high right interior and I would make the prediction I would not expect Rafinha to start as that you know that high right interior in that system I wouldn't expect that I would expect him to end games where Barcelona looking to get a result at that position yeah, I, I, I think, agree I, I mean I think you're gonna see Fermin Lopez be the and I know he basically was the left winger though I mean he was actually the inverted forward to end that game against Mallorca as well and he scored the goal from a forward position. He took he took the spot and the space of Jao Felix in that game. I mean, like for like swap. It wasn't Rafinha, uh, yeah. Firmin Lopez. We've seen him before now in his limited minutes as a high right interior where where Gundogan has been playing. But, but that's still going to be a question though with with the 
with the five that, that they have. And Sergio Roberto looks like he is not a part of, of that rotation, or at least as of yet as a midfielder. Or, I mean, if he wasn't trusted against even World Antwerp when De Jong was healthy, I mean, De Jong healthy, and we know that De Jong very much like a, an innings-eating pitcher. De Jong, he's only missed 16 games at Barcelona in all this time. Like, he plays all the time and eats up minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes, and minutes as a workhorse. And if anything, that's my biggest fear, is that you cannot put that burden on Gabi, on Gundogan, and, and Oro Romeo kind of is an inning eater, as in he eats up a lot of game, uh, minutes and should be expected to almost finish games at this point with De Jong out and Pedri out, but that's not how Xavi's been using him. He's been the midfielder that actually come out of these games, especially with Barcelona so tight the way that they are. And against Celta, against Mallorca, it was Oro Romeo who sacrificed to put in those extra forwards or those higher interior midfielders to, to throw things out of rack. So with the five infielders available, and I guess, yeah, plus Rafinha as a high interior to end games, how will Bar- Barcelona manage without De Jong and without Pedri? Well, it, you're losing your two most important uh, midfielders. Okay. <laughs> um, it, yeah, not not ideal. So, you know, obviously, like I was just saying, creative, creatively, that that is a, a huge miss. I, I also think that in terms of both Pedri and De Jong, they're kind of become leaders and focal points uh, in this team now as well. And I, I really admire Gabby. Like every time I watch him, he seems to add more strings to his bow. You know, I just mentioned the sort of uh, left to right pass that I had never seen from him really before. He's dribbling, you know, past players now and carrying the ball and, and creating dangerous situations. But the, there's there's sort of a an aura, I suppose, in in his game. Uh, I, I guess Pauser is probably the better term, uh, technically speaking, that he is missing that that both Pedri and De Jong have. And so while he's an excellent footballer, I think the the whole team loses their sort of reference point in possession without those two players, which is a big deal. That's also why I really liked Gundogan dropping deeper because he gave that, you know, he was the guy demanding the ball and, and playing it quickly and sort of the guy with the idea of what to do in possession, which seems silly, but, you know, you need that sort of focal point. And that's why I... Although I do like Gavi still starting in De Jong's role or Pedri's role, you know, that it seemed a little bit stuttering when you had both him and Romeu and Cancelo. And and so I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is sort of replacing that that kind of that central leader in possession. And then obviously, you know, in terms of the technical quality of those players, you you badly miss De Jong's ability to carry the ball, drive past players consistently. You badly miss Pedri's ability to produce something unexpected, you know, to to find a pocket where you thought that, that you thought was impossible, or to again dribble past a player, or you know, we all know how good Pedri is. So, you know, realistically, in a team that is very left focused, because Lewandowski likes to drift to the left, because now you've got Joao Felix there, you know. That area of the pitch is so important to how Barca build up and and penetrate that it's just um, yeah it's 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 really tough and it, it's so unfortunate, isn't it, that you know we're talking about this midfield being so stacked and you know how how it's going to be so difficult for Xavi to pick his his starting team and then all of a sudden you know the the two players that you most rely on in that area get injured so it's kind of classic but it is what happens and. Yeah, like I said, I, I I do like Gabby evolving there. That's something I've talked about on Twitter. I think, you know, he his capacity to learn is really impressing me. So I stick with him for now. I like what I see. 
hope that it's enough to get through this next month until Pedri returns. I think Pedri comes back first. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll repeat what I said on in the show in the last two games after uh, in the five headlines I did about Gabi, that it felt last year like I was like saying, well, I'm not sure what he's, not say what he's doing, but like, how is he really truly affecting the game? Like you can tell this kid is very, very talented, mm. but what does he need to improve? What needs to, to be to be worked on? And to that point, I, I think this year we really have seen that, yes, like that Palza, that that really deep understanding of controlling a game that, that, I mean, why I go so crazy for Pedri is that to have a player when he was 16, even to have uh, that sheer understanding of the rhythm and the timing and to be able to yeah. really read and understand a game was beyond what most players will ever achieve. Like some guys and some players, the top, top players just have that and everybody doesn't. And that's what makes those top, top players so special. And Gabi may not necessarily have that instinctively, but very much in the case of De Young, I think it's interesting because we think of Gabi and Pedri and because Gabi comes in the academy, we think all these things are intrinsic, but he's such a different profile from the academy as well, that how he got to this first level is things that normal midfielders from Barcelona don't necessarily do instinctively. And that is, again, reading the game from a defensive position, uh, that being Gabi, whose yeah. rest defense is just beyond what other players of his age and ilk. And uh, I mean, he is still, I, I think at this point, you could argue it might be De Young, but not really. I think in terms of rest defense, when Barcelona have possession and they're preparing to defend when they lose the ball, look at how many times Gabi is that midfielder who breaks up the play, even though he's in a higher position than the pivots. I mean, yeah, so that is really where Gabi's bread and butter is and how he's got his playing time. But in terms of, as you mentioned, like that Pausen reading the game, fortunately, it's De Young he actually needs to look at, not even other La Masia midfielders or Pedri or anything like that. It's... De Young has improved upon that. Like De Young from four years ago to De Young to now has gotten so much better at, at understanding the, when to dribble, when to make that forward pass. And it's just, I mean, especially with Jao Felix having entered the team, we'll talk about this, you know, him and, and Cancelo next. But uh, you really see what De Young has learned in the case of Jao Felix and how he's evolved. And so for Gabi, now that's the path you want to have him be on. Like, what is he missing from his game still? And then we also mentioned that finishing product. He's scoring a few more goals this year. The assist against Celta, as much as we praise it, you go, okay, is that a one-off moment? Or is that something that Gavi has kind of, you know, added to his box of tricks now? And if he, he does make it, that kind of pass more frequently than yes. I mean, we're going to be praising him even more so than we were last year. But as I said, I, I did feel like that Copa Trophy, it felt a bit preemptive last season, even of, of what he was providing. And obviously, if you are a regular starter for FC Barcelona and they win Liga, like it does mean that you've added a lot. And so I'm not trying to take anything away from Gavi this season, uh, last season. But I do feel like we're watching this ascension and he definitely got better. I mean, he's getting better on the fly. And I'm seeing yeah. it now the way in year two from Pedri. I watched him kind of make that ascension as well. But what's so interesting about the next week, few weeks now is that now, as you said, we want Gabi to be De Young and to be Pedri. But that's not who he is, right? We're, we're asking a player who's on the ascension already right now. And now we're asking him to be the most important midfielder. And instead of doing that, I feel like I'm going to be doing that a lot. And not to say that I, I don't like what I've seen so far from Gundogan, but I chalked up the first few weeks to chemistry. And I think the positive signs for me is that in Mallorca in particular, from the first half to the second half, I thought Gundogan was much, much better. And his associations with his teammates, especially Lewandowski, which Jao Felix added to the, the attacking core, is getting better and better. And I feel like we have not even scratched the surface of how good Gundogan is as a player. 
And I think his improvements and continued continued comfortability, if you will, because I'm not ready to say that he's like physically fasted or over the hill or anything. He is still like three years younger than Lewandowski. Like he's not in his quote unquote decline yet for a player that arguably could have won the Ballon d'Or last year with Man City. And, and you know, he doesn't yeah. come to Barcelona as shell. But I do think in Xavi's system and the way that Gundogan really like, if he wants to be the most important player on the field, he can be. And he wasn't that for Man City. It was a lot of giving it off to to Kevin De Bruyne and understanding the game and playing the, out to the wings and kind of, again, using Erlen Holland as a more active and mobile reference point than Lewandowski even is. So I think there's some changes that Gundogan has to make to his game. And to me, those changes from him are more important than kind of, let's say, pushing Gabi even farther forward than he's ready to go. You know, I think he's, again, ascending and let's enjoy that ride instead of shoving him off a cliff and saying, hey, be the young here. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because the role of Gundogan really as the right interior in the system is as a creator. You know, you're basically, you're sat between the lines most of the time. You're you're pinning um, a centre-back or a full-back in order to make space for other players. And you're there to turn circulated possession into a goal. Um, and you saw him do that extremely well against, was it the first goal against Antwerp? Was it Betis, the really good goal that Felix scored? Antwerp, I think, when he combined with Lewandowski in those uh, tight spaces. I think the problem is, is that, if there is a problem, is that he's obviously come from a extremely well-developed, extremely mature system where every single player understands their role to the letter and he can very much focus on doing his job in that system and not having to worry about anything else. I feel like in the Barcelona team, because he feels like a one of the sort of uh, leaders of the team now, because he's come from a Pep Guardiola system and he's, you know, one of the best players in the world and he knows, you know, very clearly what Xavi wants to do, that, that feels like he... he wants to take on an additional burden that he really didn't need to take on at Man City. Kind of like what you're saying. But the the truth is that for him to play that right interior role the way that Xavi wants him to play it, he actually doesn't need to take on that responsibility because he that responsibility, sort of like I was saying earlier, should come from your centre-backs. It should come from your pivot. It should come from, you know, the, the, the deeper midfielders so that they create space for you to then exploit as that, you know, creative output. And so the dynamic with how Gundogan, you know, actually his, his figure in terms of the responsibility that he takes on in this team is going to be really interesting in the absence of those other creative players because he can do that. And, you know, but then Barca obviously lose one of their best outputs. And one of the reasons they, they now can break down, you know, low blocks is because of his ability to create in tight spaces. So, yeah, getting that balance right and that dynamic right and him understanding his role in the team and Xavi understanding or Xavi imparting to him the role that he wants him to have is is going to be really important, I think. And then balancing that with how the likes of Xavi evolve in the team and so on. Yeah, well, let's talk about kind of pivoting. I kept mentioning because they've now become essential to the system, that being Cancelo and Jao Felix. And to what we spoke about in the two five O's, that, of course, flying high, you saw the best of what Jao Felix and Jao Cancelo can add to you. And I, I feel like it's so interesting the way that they kind of entered the team. And then within three games, you saw the best version of that. And to repeat that is almost going to be what I feel like for, it's just the end of September here, but I, I think for so much of this season, it's going to be, how do you replicate 
the best version of what we already saw from Zhao Felix and Zhao Cancelo and, and what that looked like. And I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but I give you credit as well. And I, I think I said the same thing on, on my shows right after those matches as well, that the upgrade in just talent, right? The upgrade in just sheer ability from Zhao Felix as a left winger. And we can talk about the fact that Zhao Felix perfectly fits that inverted midfielder forward position for Xavi. Like he really is like the dream signing at that position. I think yeah. that says something. But I think it's also, you know, interesting that Jao Felix was able to hit the ground running because of that system. But now the challenge is going to be once teams have kind of, not say even figured him out, but the variations, it seems like other than associating with Lewandowski, I think the worry that I have now having watched that Mallorca game, which I think very reasonably without Lewandowski starting was Jao Felix's worst game for Barcelona so far. You know, as you mentioned too, it brings up that being Jao Felix, different challenges especially in terms of maybe his off-ball work that Gabi was doing as that that high left interior or that inverted forward, whatever you want to call it. And Gabi was doing a defensive shift that Zhao Felix doesn't necessarily do. And people are criticizing him, but that's who Zhao Felix is. That's generally what a forward and that left-wing position is going to do. It's, I mean, the reason why Xavi is playing four midfielders. But that's not, I mean, you, you mentioned too, that's not the only, we'll say, new issue that Zhao Felix brings to the team defensively or even offensively but as we mentioned as well the ceiling now on that forward attack with Shao Felix on the left is astronomically higher than it's been for the last I think we can confidently say since Messi left I mean because Messi again regardless of who is in the center or to the left of him I mean he just again raised that profile so high by being the greatest of all time but I think that potential now between Lewandowski and Shao Felix and whoever is on the right wing of the three options we talked about that attacking core is the highest ceiling for Barcelona we have seen in years. Yeah, and that's that's the the biggest benefit or the biggest um, you know improvement to this team that we're going to see this year is just purely the the better quality. And it's something that we talked about the last time we spoke together. You know, we kind of joked that it was you know at an oversimplification of the game that you know good players make you play better, and we should get Cancelo over you know X or Y uh, prospect because immediately it's going to improve the team. And we're seeing exactly why, because you can't replicate sheer quality. And, you know, in the case of Jao Felix, yes, he was really poor against Mallorca. And for me, that's going to be the big thing with him is consistency, because it seems like in games where things aren't going his way, if he loses the ball a couple of times, two or three duels with the with the defender, his head kind of drops a little bit and you want him to be that character that's going to stand up and make the difference because he has that quality within him to do that so so for for Felix specifically I think that's the improvement I really want to see is is mentality more so than technical ability because clearly he has that if he can you know consistently you know step up when the side is down and looking for options and needs a spark of creativity you know maybe just break away from that sort of left half space a little bit and get, get your foot on the ball and then you know play a couple of one twos or, you know just just make something happen in a in a different way that i think uh that's a freedom that i think xavi would be happy to give him if he were to consistently make a difference and i i really want to see him become that player rather than this sort of like sort of uh i don't want to say slave to the system but you know i don't want to see him locked in to the point where he feels like he has to keep receiving the ball with his back to goal you know trying to turn a defender with no space uh, i really believe that he can become you know one of the prime creators in this team and i i just want to see him do it on a more consistent basis with cancelo i i 
it was always going to be the case that he just came and transformed the team because that's exactly the profile that Barca needed for a right back, somebody that can come inside and create. It's going to be very technically um, uh, excellent. And yeah, I, I was a bit surprised again against Mallorca that Cancelo was kind of sidelined a little bit. I expected him with the absence of De Jong and Pedri to take on a more creative responsibility in midfield. Um, where he's kind of stuck out on the right more so than I expected. And obviously, Cancelo, when he was at City, because there were so many big-name players uh, around him, he was never the star of the team. But in some senses, in a creative sense, now at Barcelona, he can definitely be one of those players. Um, and I, I, again, I suppose it's a mentality thing. I'd like to see him step up and 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 become that. I guess, you know, it's it's very early to say, to ask these things of, you know, new loan signings that who knows where their mindset is because they're only going to be there for a year. And, you know, yes, they've played under uh, good coaches before, especially Cancel under Pep. Should know the system, but there's different dynamics in the in the way that Xavi does things. So I don't want to sit, sit here and be like, oh, they should be, you know, the best players in the team already. They should be commanding the whole, the whole setup. Um, no, but I do think, that both of their technical ceilings mean that they should be those that important to this team. Um, and, that you know, I just like that to see them develop as, as real leaders um, on, on both sides of the pitch, really. Well, in the case of Cancelo too, I mean, looking at defensively, some of the breakdowns teams are playing in behind him, which isn't necessarily an individual thing more. It is a system thing that I, I think last season we talked about, there was a bunch of luck. Ter Stegen absolutely stood on his head quite a few times just in the first half of that season. But yes, by replacing the right back to be Cancelo, who is stepping into the midfield, pushing high, being a creator in the final third even, or if it's Ferran Torres out on the right wing, or even in the case of Rafinha, where there are times when Cancelo, I think, is caught between two minds to overlap for him, because you want to give Rafinha the opportunity to come inside as well. That means that he's in different attacking positions than Koundé or Araujo, but usually Koundé were last year. So when you swap out... Jules Kunde as your right back for Jao Cancelo, of course, there's going to be defensive breakdowns in behind. Like, of course, that's going to take a little bit of time. And I think to that point about Ronda Araujo too, I think part of Araujo playing as that right center back because you can't play him on the on the left. He's so right footed that you have to Jules Kunde or Andres Christensen and then Nico Martinez is left footed. But I mean, Christensen has been so two footed. I mean, we barely even noticed. So a little compliment always in for Christensen. Uh, quiet, quiet compliment yeah. for a guy who with Araujo coming back is probably automatically now the starter with the way that Jules Kunde has started this season. And then Raul Araujo, I think getting him fully fit and having him basically putting out fires and Barcelona are going to get bit sometimes for that. But Raul Araujo, I think you're going to, for the second half of the season, if he can stay healthy in the rest of the first half, I think we're going to be talking about him as this generational center back again, if he's healthy, as we always do. But we're going to see even more from him, I think, in terms of putting out those fires in behind Cancelo. And I think that's going to be a little bit by design. That This Barcelona team, as opposed to last year, it was built to win one nothing, or was built to win 2-1, a lot of one nothings. And this season, I think it's going yeah. to be more built to come back when you're down 2 nothing, or come back when you're down 2-1, or it's built to be up 3-1, or to take a, an easy 2 nothing lead and then kind of settle things down and make those subs and, and buckle down by continuing to put pressure on the opposition and, and kind of kill them, strangle them with possession. I think that's going to be more what, not say the style, but their path to victory this season than it was last season. And I, I think when we have these conversations too, when we talk about, again, the talent and the ceiling, 
that to me is what's battling against each other, right? Like the issues that this team structurally still seems to have, especially without Young and Pedri, that's a different story. But the, the worry is always that, okay, if Barcelona have created new defensive frailties for themselves, then obviously a team that was unable to win their, their, not only win the group last season, but they were knocked out in the group stage of the Champions League. And for a team that went from, okay, let's get into the next phase of the group of the Champions League, but to now be expected to almost get to the round of 16 with the talent they have, I think those two ideas of pushing up against each other being the other idea that with Cancelo, with Jao Felix, the, again, the ceiling and the talent of this team has raised so much attacking wise. You're saying, hey, that attack should carry you through to the round of 16 in the Champions League. But those defensive frailties for a team that already didn't get through with their defensive frailties last year in Europe, that's what's got everybody spooked and, and scared again in this, as, as we head into the Halloween season. And I, I see how those two ideas are butting up against each other, that, yeah, defensively, the floor seems to have lowered and offensively, the, season, the ceiling has raised. So I think that's why you always see, you know, your, I, I, I read your comments as well as I try to read mine. Both are pretty disparaging. But I will say a lot of those comments, again, uh, is a lot of fear-mongering on the idea that Barcelona, people are much more afraid of their floor then I think they are prepared to be optimistic about the ceiling, which again, because of Roma and Liverpool and Bayern Munich, I think Kules are in that state of mind. And and again, I know my Barcelona history. I also know that um, being the victim and being aggrieved, that is in the the Kules mindset and has been, well, 100 years ago, it made sense, or not even 100, but 80 years ago, again, with when we talk about the history of the club, it, it always made sense. And it's part of the identity, sure, including with penalty calls to this very day. But I, I think in terms of what this team is able to do in Europe, I don't know if that victim mentality is necessary with how, how much talent there is in this team. But then again, that's me having, you know, I got to knock on wood or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get too superstitious here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess it's the elephant in the room, really, that it, it probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have taken us 40 minutes to talk about. But the, the core difference in, you know, the team this year compared to last year is that this is a Xavi team now. What's really interesting is that, you know, I, I had to fight so many battles online about Xavi being, you know, pragmatic and, you know, is he too defensive and all of this stuff. It, this guy never, ever wanted to be defensive. He came into a job where there was just ridiculous pressure with all kinds of off-pitch things happening and horrible transfer prospects and, and so on and so forth. And the media is constantly, you know, just poisoning everybody's minds. And he he delivered a league title by being pragmatic and, you know, fair play to him because it, it clearly was never the his intention to, to come into Barcelona and, and be grinding out 1-0 victories. I think he was asked before he became coach whether he'd prefer to win 5-4 or 1-0 and he said 5-4, which is a, an answer that not many coaches I think would probably give. And this version now with the quality that he has the kind of you know quality relative to other teams that he had in Qatar when he was there, we'll see the real version of his team, which is a team that's going to win games 5-4 and 3-2 rather than 1-0. And that's going to be an adjustment for the squad because it's, it's, going to, it's a different dynamic to what they were used to last season. It, it seems crazy to think that a change in one position, basically right back, can have such an immense shift on the dynamic of a team. But it really can, because that space that wasn't there is now there. And that cre additional creative play you didn't have, you do now have. And that completely changes everything. And so I think one of the things that is not really being considered is that it's going to take time, actually, to find that the right balance there, um, you know, to find the right balance between how much do we create and how much space are we denying 
Um, and it's going to take a while because there's also new players and there's loads more competition now at centre-back, which is such a key position um, when if you're talking about that balance. So it's just, you know, there, there are big questions of, yeah, I suppose balance is the key word really um, that I think, you know, that people aren't considering when when you look at this this Barcelona team compared to last year's Barcelona. This really is a shabby team now. And and so, well, you know, I, I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt and the time to actually implement what it is that he's he's looking to do in terms of what that balance is. Last question for you before you, yeah, you head out here. I am starting to hear a little bit of rumblings. And again, I think this is people who are a bit overreactive about Alejandro Balde not necessarily starting the season well. And this isn't just English speakers or, or, or people somewhere around the world in our comments. This is actually from the Catalan media. Like There are rumblings from those in Catalonia about Balde not necessarily playing his best. Uh, and I, I know you're probably going to agree with me here, but I almost immediately want to push back on those instinctively because, again, when we talk about talent, like even structurally, the, the game that I and I defended Marcos Alonso in in that in that game against Celta, in that he, I, I believe that was only started, right? It was Celta. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I defended him in that game against Celta, that being Marcos Alonso, because he personally didn't do anything wrong. But it's it's what he doesn't do that Balde does, like even just space, mm-hmm. right? That the team improved when Balde came on the field. Like again, even though Balde had a individually a B game or a C game and Alonso, I thought same thing had a B or a C game. Like individually it was not a fault for the goals. He was trying to stay wide when John Felix would drop in, trying to be an option, trying to push forward in the middle of the field when John Felix would go out wide and create space for each other. And I don't think he did anything quote unquote wrong, even defensively. But then again, Balde comes on and teams just have to, you, the way they even have to orient their hips differently and the half space are a little more yeah. open because because Balde goes just so much wider and can be so much more dangerous just just functionally he's so much of an upgrade to Alonso on that side of the field yes but I think I don't know I, again I'm kind of answering myself that I'm in no way prepared to say that Balde in his progression is stuttering at any way if anything Jao Felix has given him kind of more of relief and I think you're seeing a few more crosses now from Balde because Balde is not the one who needs to make that run into the half space with the ball and dribble into that half space with the ball the way he was expected to do when, again, no disrespect to Ansu, but Ansu Fati wasn't necessarily doing that. And Abde, I mean, we saw that Abde and Balde was not, that was not a program that was going to work at all. And then as Gabi is the left, uh, that inverted forward, like what is Gabi not doing? And Balde was kind of trying to fill that, that hole, but now Balde, I mean, if anything, he's the one guy with Jao Felix whose job is kind of lessened. And that's, I mean, that's, and that's a great thing for the 19-year-old. And so, yeah, I think people are now, they're making a bigger deal about his, we'll say, lack of crossing. But his crosses aren't that bad either. Like, I mean, crossing percentages are like 8 to 12%. Like, they, they don't get off normally. And so now if you're just going to yeah. judge him by the lesser job he's expected to do and the fact that he's crossing a bit more and those aren't coming off, but that just means that Barcelona is creating more opportunities in the attacking third, which they are. They're top five in Europe in attacking third chances and opportunities. So, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like we go in this circle. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you're, you're getting less of Balde. You're not liking as much as what you're seeing. But also, functionally, it makes a lot more sense. And if anything, he is a perfect fit still for what Barcelona are trying to do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, to be fair, I've, I've, had, I've had some doubts, not about Balde the player, but about the role that he's taking up in this team and whether he can fulfill it to the the top, top elite level. Because we had a conversation when Dembele left about what players in the Barcelona team are the ones who, like, like we said about Yamal, um, Lamine Mal earlier, that are in those wide spaces and are able of creating 
chances, creating threat from those areas. And, you know, when Dembele left, there was basically nobody there who could do that. And so Balde was like the dribbling winger at that point. Obviously, with um, Yamal, that's, that's changed. Um, and with Felix, it's given a different dynamic. But I did always have a concern because what what you're asking him to be is a winger. You're not asking him to be an attacking fullback. You're asking him to receive the ball, and especially against the deep defences, especially against the five of the backs, you're asking him to receive the ball in a 1v1 situation, a static 1v1 situation with a fullback, and asking him to, to beat him 1v1. Um, and and then to deliver after that. Uh, and, you know, it, it takes a very, very high-quality player to do that consistently. And one of the reasons why a lot of top teams use two wingers to hold the whip instead of one winger and one fullback is because of that, because it's one, it's it's their main creative source is often getting to the ball into the foot of the winger and having them take on a defender 1v1. And Balde is a young player. His skill set for me is much more valuable against high-pressing teams because he can carry the ball so well through pressure. He His ball retention is unbelievable. He basically never loses the ball. And, you know, he can get from back to front really quickly against those high-pressing teams when the space is in behind. But if you're asking him to be a touchline winger and just fizz the ball out to him and then face up a defender 1v1, he's not one of the best players in the world at doing that. Right. And what a team like Barca demands is that one of the best players in the world at doing that. You know, we talked a little bit about Girona um, before we recorded and their game against Mallorca. And essentially, their biggest, their, their best threat was getting the ball out to their left-footed left-winger, Savio, on the touchline, who was 1v1 against the defender, who could go past him consistently. And because we're not seeing that from Balde, it's it's easy for people to judge him. But for me, that's not the player that he he is. Maybe he could be that player, someday with you know a, a lot more consistency and if he if he works on his 1v1 dribbling you know maybe he could be but he's not that player now that's not the reason that he was that he came into this team it's not the reason he's been so good so far so we're asking him to do something that is that is that is quite foreign not extremely foreign but you know not not his core skill set um and so we've got to have a little bit of patience with him uh, if 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 we want to see him fulfill that to a high level and you know the, the alternative is to change the system, the system and have a proper winger on that side. Barca don't have a left winger, and that's why Balde is doing it. Well, I think you tease people a little bit. That I think it's next time you come on, hopefully we're still talking about Girona as top of the league at table, Julio. So, yeah, again, a little <laughs> teaser. We've run out of time today, but a little teaser for before we can have uh, discussions about next time. Because, I mean, we also know that if I start to talk about Girona, then I'm going to start talking about Ana Martinez. You know, then people are going to tune out, of course. That, that's <laughs> what always happens. So, once again, not only thank you, Jaleel, for coming on the show, but remember, it's the purest or the purest football, wherever you're, I mean, most people who listen to my show are now fully aware, and I, I think I do get a lot of calls to have you on the show even more frequently than you are, so I appreciate your time whenever you make it. Again, follow him, again, at the purest football uh, on X Twitter. I mean, we're also on Instagram and TikTok at the Barcelona Pod, as well as X or Twitter. Then Patreon, the Barcelona Podcast, closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast, answer the questions I let you in. And of course, a good rating on the podcast apps and subscribing to the YouTube channel as they are a big help as well, especially if you're if you are coming here from the Purist channel. Because again, I look at those numbers. So if you're coming over from his channel, welcome and subscribe to both of us if you haven't already gotten us in your feed. And it's two channels that I can say with confidence will improve how you talk about football. I always appreciate my conversations here with the Purist. And I don't know if you're allowed to say 
Because again, you've been stepping this season outside of the Barca bubble quite a bit. Yeah, can you give a little teaser about what you have cooking up next? Uh, I've, I've, it's, it's kind of a secret, to be honest. I've got a couple of things. I've got a couple of things bubbling along. Uh, you mentioned I'm doing a little bit of, of stuff on the Brazilian national team and, and Brazilian teams generally because it's just so fascinating. The football is so different at the moment and there's big evolutions happening there tactically. So I've got one eye on that. But uh, I do have a couple of things bubbling as well, sort of longer form things than I'm used to work that, that I'm working on. So, yeah, they'll be out. I don't know when, but yeah, subscribe to the channel and, and follow me and all the rest of it. And then you'll, you'll be up to date with whenever I do come out with that stuff. Yeah, I would say we don't have to attack the people that are that are trying to kind of push the envelope here in terms of, you know, when I look at Tifa football or, or those who really think about tactics, right? Like Brighton is doing some fun stuff this year and Leverkusen is doing some fun stuff this year. And you don't have to be this. I know the idea of like a football hipster, right? Somebody that uh, is pretentious and, and, and talks over and know this this new system and this new idea. I would always say when it comes to that kind of stuff, enjoy the ride, like understand. And it's OK if everybody covers what these new ideas are because it just makes football as yeah. a, a total better, right? Whether it's Girona, who not, aren't necessarily doing any new things, but uh, they are doing a new thing for the level of talent they have. Let's put it that way. Like they, you wouldn't expect a team like Girona to run the systems they do with the names on the team sheet, but they're doing it. And it's a system more than it is even an individual. And again, the same thing with Leverkusen. Yes, Fabian Verts is amazing and they have some really good players, Ignacio, but like they're, no, they're, they're getting to that level based on the system that they're putting forth. Um, I'm not going to say the manager because he might be a Real Madrid manager someday. But yeah, there's a lot of teams, Brighton too, doing different things. And it, it's fun it, It's fun to think about football in different ways. Yeah, there's just so much happening and there's so much access to all the football all over the world. You're just doing yourself a disservice if you're only watching one league or one team. So there's there's just so much happening tactically in terms of talent, in terms of, you know, style. So yeah, that's that's hopefully what we're what we're continue to cover and what I'm looking forward to really getting my teeth into. Yeah, I mean, the counter argument always is that nobody can actually afford the subscription services to watch all of the different leagues that and all the football. Like, I'm not going to tell you which that ones I true. don't even have or <laughs> which ones I, I might have to find <laughs> other ways to, to, to watch. But again, the purist on YouTube as well as the Barcelona podcast as a podcast and on YouTube well, isn't that free for you, the listener, usually? All I ask you to do of all of these channels and stuff is to subscribe and, again, just be a part of the journey. Follow along. Yeah, maybe buy some merch every now and again. I do have a team store reminder as well. So until next time, though, I want to thank you for listening to the show. As always, we'll talk to you soon. Support your lifestyle. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.